Thank you so much for joining us online today at Christ Covenant Church. We hope you sense God's presence and are encouraged by the message. Now, here's Pastor Ryan Weems. If you've got a Bible or a version Bible app on your phone, turn with me to Luke chapter 2. Last week, we were in Luke chapter 1 in our series, The Christmas Miracle. Uh, we ended at the end of chapter 1. Now we're in chapter 2, verse 1. And we're trying to see the Christmas story, the Christmas miracle with fresh eyes. Uh, we're very familiar with it, even if you didn't grow up in church, because it's in all the Christmas carols. But I want you to see it in a new way, a fresh way. So Luke chapter 2, verse 1. Um, I, I love this every single week. I keep saying, hey, if you didn't bring a Bible, steal one from the back, and y'all are stealing it. I mean, like, just every week we got to replace them, but that's cool. That's the only thing you can steal, and it'd be okay, all right? That and one of our pens, <laughs> you can do that. Uh, Luke chapter 2, verse 1, here's what it says. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. It's not like here that you get something in the mail or you do it online. You had to travel to your hometown. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David, That's where he's from. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him, and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, verse 7, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. Now keep the Bible open, just hit pause, keep your app open on your phone, we're going to walk through it. But, but here's my prayer for you today. In fact, I'm going to pray for you here in just a second. But here's my prayer that even though you and I are very familiar with this story, that even though you would have the temptation, just like I've had the temptation, to gloss over the details because you've heard it before, my prayer is that, again, you would see this in a new way. In fact, the details matter in this story. And so let me encourage you and remind you, like I did last Sunday, that this Christmas story, it is not a cute, cuddly story. It is not a fairy tale. It's not some pop-up book like you would read to your kids where everything is in order and everything goes according to plan. In fact, I'll even take it a step further. For Mary and Joseph, who were real people, by the way, who lived this like real life, for Mary and Joseph, this was not a dream scenario. This was actually more like a nightmare. And that's why this is my title today. In fact, you ain't going to forget it. It's going to stick with you. But here's my title. For my note takers, write this down. What we're talking about today is the nightmare before Christmas. <laughs> Tim Burton ain't got nothing on the Bible, y'all. The nightmare before Christmas. After you write that down, it's a good day to take notes. Really, God's going to speak to you. After you got that jotted down, close your eyes with me. Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you, God, that you bring such clarity, even in the middle of chaos. And, and I know that speaks to people. Because even though we got the ribbons and the bows and the trees and the lights and all the decorations, I know there's so many hurting people. And I know many of them are represented in this house and in this service. And so I pray, God, especially for those that feel like they're in a nightmare season, that they're facing challenges and they're definitely not living the dream, I pray for them especially, God, that you would offer hope, that you would speak, not just out of Mary and Joseph's life, but speak directly to their life 
And God, that they would take your word and not only read it, we say this all the time, but God, we would invite your word to read us, that we would apply this real life story filled with drama and intrigue. It was crazy, God. I pray, God, that it would help us navigate our crazy drama-filled lives. God, we give you glory and we're excited and there's some expectation in this service that you're gonna speak to us. And we ask all this and we pray all this in Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen. Look back at Luke chapter two, if you kept it open. Uh, But really I wanna start today just kind of by setting up the scene and breaking down uh, what we read here. Because again, it is crazy. In the Bible, yet again, it preaches itself. That's what's so good about the Bible is you don't even have to be a great preacher. You just gotta read it, talk about it a little bit and then have a prayer at the end. And you had a good time because God's word is so powerful and so applicable to your life. And and I gotta tell you, as I I look and kind of examine Mary and Joseph's birthing story, uh, really, this is like the worst one you could ever dream up or imagine. Like, Like what's happening in their lives is just, like crazy, like crazy, crazy, crazy. We got so many people in our church that are, you're like my wife and I, and you've got multiple kids. Uh, I, I don't know if you got one, two, three, four, whatever. There's something in the water around here because a lot of us got three kids, but anyways. But for those that have had children in the last 10 years or so, I'll say, like you know that, that when it comes to like your, your wife, husbands, your wife and ladies, you, when it comes to you having your baby, like you've got a, a plan in your mind, right? Of what you think it's gonna look like. In fact, the last 10 years, I think we've kind of gone overboard. Uh, For those that don't have kids or maybe had kids a long time ago, it's been a minute for you. Let me just kind of catch you up. Nowadays, there's not just like this idea or this plan. There are actually birthing scripts that people follow. Like there are details in these, like it's, it's, it's crazy. All nine months and then of course the delivery, it, you ladies are nodding just like first service. Like it is crazy. It's what you're gonna wear, uh, what are you gonna eat, little snacks. Hey, we're gonna do a walk at this time. It's not just what the baby is wearing home. Ladies, you're planning out what you're gonna wear. Some of y'all buy those special gowns because you're like, you're like, the hospital gown ain't good enough for me. I'm gonna get me a special one, you know? You do that and, and you're mapping out what your husband's gonna wear. You're like, you gotta put it together. You ain't no sweatpants allowed, you know? And we're gonna take a picture here and y'all laughing, but this is real life the last 10 years. And, and I, it's just crazy. Like some of you ladies and you're like, hey, this is gonna be this temperature when I give birth. And some of y'all aren't even like going to the hospital. You're like, like we're gonna, we're gonna go and uh, we're gonna do like they do on Netflix, call the midwife, you know, that show. And we, we're gonna be near a hospital, but we ain't gonna be in a hospital. And we're gonna do this thing, say this thing. Some of y'all have it so mapped out uh, that, and you did this maybe in the last couple of years where you know what kind of color lighting that you want at your birth. And so it's, it's planned down to a detail. Uh, my wife and I, we got friends from Dallas where we're from, and, and I'm pretty sure, I could be remembering wrong uh, incorrectly, but I'm pretty sure one of our friends, like with her husband, when she, when she had a baby, because she was like all natural, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do what I'm gonna do. I got my birthing plan and my birthing story and all this stuff. I'm pretty sure she gave birth standing up. And I don't even know how you do that. I was at all three deliveries. I was there with you, baby. Like, I was there, I was holding your hand. And to see how much pain, we were at the hospital, to see how much pain she was in, I felt like I needed an epidural, okay? <laughs> like, how do you do it standing up? I don't even know, like, it's crazy. But it's all scripted and you nest, right? And you got that room that's all ready to go. And again, I just think about Mary and Joseph, like it was not the dream birthing story. I'm sure, 
I'm, I'm positive they did not think it would happen this way. They had both been approached by an angel, Mary and Joseph separately, because guys, you know, if your fiance says she's pregnant and you're not the father, you got some questions. Like, 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 like Lucy, you got some explaining to do, you know, like you got that. And uh, it, it was crazy. And so they had been approached by an angel, hey, the Messiah, the Savior of the world, going to be born to you. The Holy Spirit's going to overshadow. We talked about that last week. It's going to be awesome. And I guarantee you, they didn't think it was going to happen like this. And so again, I just want to look back at this story and not gloss over it. What, what I'm giving you today is not the cute Christmas carol. It's not the pop-up book fairy tale. Uh, we're going to get into the details, the real-life situation that Mary and Joseph were in. And so look again at Luke chapter 2. Now, here's what we don't know. There's a lot we know, but here's what we don't know. When Luke chapter 2, verse 1, when it begins, we don't know how far along Mary is in her pregnancy. But context clues and studying the passage and all that, it seems to be and is very likely that before, just kind of the beginning of Luke chapter 2, that she is eight to nine months pregnant. So, so ladies, whether you had a child or not, think, think about Mary, eight to nine months pregnant at the very end of this process, and you and your husband are forced by the government to travel. How many of y'all know the government was making you do stuff you didn't want to do back then too, right? Like, like, like it wasn't like them doing, like, for example, this is real popular nowadays, that whenever, and some of y'all had babies a long time ago, you're like, I wish we had this. But nowadays... You heard of a honeymoon? Nowadays, before people have their first child, they do what's called a baby moon, and they get away because they know, hey, we're not gonna sleep for like the rest of our lives. <laughs> so we're gonna go somewhere where we can sleep good and we can eat good and we're gonna do this thing. So this is a thing called baby moon that people do. Well, I gotta tell you, this traveling that Mary and Joseph are doing, it is not a baby moon. It is not a vacation. The government is making them travel. And if you study the context and the type of travel and from where they were going to, or where they were to where they were going, this was a trip that would take somewhere around four days. So ladies, you're eight to nine months pregnant and you can't take an Uber, you can't take a bus, you can't take a vehicle with air conditioning. You are riding on a donkey for four days. That ain't fun. It's definitely not fun for Mary, but guys, let's be honest. It ain't fun for Joseph either. Like, it's a tough thing. It is difficult. And she's probably walking some of the way too. So there she is about to give birth and she got to travel, not because she wants to, but she's got to travel forced by the government around two to four days. But not only that, I think we missed this detail. If it took more than one day, which it did, that means that they're having to spend the night somewhere during their travel. So let me remind you, there is no Airbnb available on their traveling. There's no rest area or rest stop. They would have been happy with a Motel 6, let's be honest, but there ain't none of that, none of that. So Mary, eight to nine months pregnant, and she's having to go on a camping trip with her husband. It could have even been open air, waking up wet with the dew on you. It was not fun if they were not having a good time. So here they are, not because they want to, because they have to, and they are traveling during the very end of her pregnancy. It's no picnic, not fun at all. And then they finally get there, finally arrive. Somewhere around four days, they make it 
to Bethlehem and Mary knows, because ladies, you know your bodies, you know the signs, there's physical signs, but you can even sense it on the inside. You know the baby's about to come. So Mary knows the countdown has begun. And so Joseph's like, we gotta find somewhere to stay. We gotta do something. I remember uh, in multiple pregnancies, but especially your last one, Isabel, I remember when that countdown begins and guys, you start freaking out, right? You can have your go bag, but, but still somehow you get lost on your way to the hospital, right? Like things are going crazy. Do you remember Isabel? I think it was with our, our last child where we, we pulled up, we, we had two of our three kids at Memorial City, which a lot of you have had your, your babies there. And so we pulled in like right before uh, the hospital and the mall and all of that. And we were gonna get something I think for you to eat, like a shake or something. Um, there's a little shake place there and we pull in and I'm not even thinking straight. I literally keep the car on. I, of course, keep her in the car. I leave it in park. But the bad problem was I left the door wide open as I went in. And also I parked like I took up like three lanes, including a handicap lane. I was not thinking clearly. And, and true story, a police officer rolled up at that exact time while I'm trying to get her like a shake or something. Like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm sorry. Like, I'm freaking out a little bit. It's my third time, but still, like, I gotta get her there. And he was gracious, didn't give me a ticket or anything like that. But what I'm saying is, guys, try to think about what Joseph is thinking and feeling. Like the countdown's begun and you're not home. There's no hospital there's no place to say there was no room at the end. That's a great carol, Christmas carol kind of line. But how many of y'all know if you're Mary and Joseph, that's not fun? Like, where do I go? No family, no nothing. Everything is booked. Everything is closed. I can guarantee you they are freaking out because they're real people like you and I. What do we do? Not only that, not only do they have no medical help and no friends around, there's no family. Yeah, he's going back to where his family lineage like leads them to, but, but there's no aunt, no uncle to stay with there. Think, think about it this way, it's how I, I thought about it this week. Mary and Joseph are at the biggest moment of their lives and yet they are all alone. Some of you feel that way. So I mean, this is an epic moment in my life. This is, this is big, this is not just a normal day and yet you feel all alone. That's where Mary and Joseph are. I'm trying to get across this is not a dream for them. This is a nightmare. This is not how they scripted it, not how they planned it. And, and not only that, I forgot this part. At the very end, Mary, of course, has baby Jesus. And, and our nativity sets, we had like this cute little scene, right, of that. And you got Mary and Joseph and, and, and they're looking all like nice and put together. Like that's not how it looked, but that's how it looks in the nativity scenes. And oh, you got baby Jesus and he's all clean and cute and cuddly and he's smiling and, and he looks like me, which is not accurate at all. He's not some just white dude, you know, with blue eyes and like blonde hair. That's not how it would have been. And so anyways, as we got this, and, but it, it wasn't pretty like that. It was messy. She delivers baby Jesus and there is no crib there is no bassinet around. There's none of that. What does she use? A manger. And again, we have the wrong idea of even that. What do you think of when you think of a manger? You think of this beautifully handcrafted wood thing with this cloth there and all the kind of cushion and it just looks, it looks rustic, you know, it's Instagram worthy. That's what you think of. That ain't accurate. A manger is a feeding trough for animals. So Mary had a choice. Is it dirt floor or feeding trough? That was their crib. And she chose correctly, by the way. And so there 
Jesus is the savior of the world and he is lying in a feeding trough where camels and donkeys and all kinds of animals that are not clean making huge kind of messes. That's where baby Jesus is. How many of y'all know animals aren't clean when they eat? I mean, even our kids, right? Isabel aren't clean when they eat. You remember Luke when he was younger? Our, our, our oldest, he's nine now. Man, when he was little and he would eat spaghetti, I don't know how this happened. It, it was like a magic trick he did. I don't know. But he would eat spaghetti. God, like God is my witness. He would eat spaghetti and it would end up on the back of his head and also in his diaper. I don't know how it happened, right? You remember that? It was just crazy. And so, so think about that with the child, but, but these animals, it was messy. It was slop, literally. And so this was not the dream. This was the nightmare before Christmas. So with all of that said, here is the question that I hope you're feeling right now, the question we've got to wrestle with today. Here it is. Why would Jesus, the Savior of the world, come into the earth that way? Why? Why would it go down like that? Why? Why would this happen? Now, I'm not God. Thank God I'm not God. But if I was God, I would have done it differently. For real. In fact, I'm not even doing the baby Jesus thing. He's coming down straight grown man Jesus. That's what I'm doing. I'm opening up the heavens. That's what I'm doing. And, and he, he's like floating down on a cloud with power and my, he's ripped, you know. Like that's what I'm doing. I, I'm, I'm, I'm doing like that opening scene from Lion King, you know, with Simba. You know, I'm doing that thing. That's what I'm doing. I mean, it's going to be spectacular. It, it's going to be powerful. It is going to be the dream, but that's not how God did it. And so again, why? Why was it not a dream scenario? Why was it more like a nightmare? And honestly, this question is not just a question we have with Luke chapter two and Mary and Joseph. It's, it's a question that I think many of you are asking in your life. Because you had this dream, this idea of what this would look like, what this season would look like, what your mental health, your physical health would look like, your relationship. You had this dream. It was gonna be awesome, spectacular. But it's more like a nightmare. And you're asking God the same question. Maybe you never even verbalized it this way, but right now it's connecting the dots for you. You're asking God, why? Why does this look more like a nightmare? Why am I going through this? Why, why doesn't it look differently? In fact, I wrote down a few things and, and I think that God's really gonna speak to you. And honestly, this is who I came to preach to today. Maybe this ain't for everybody, but I think it's for a lot of people that you can put on the smile you can do the Christmas traditions. I mean, you're in God's house, you're at the right place, but you're living a nightmare. And what you're going through is so painful, so hurting. And, and I believe God's gonna encourage you, but first we gotta deal with it. Like maybe you're here today and you're struggling with depression and anxiety. And you think about this Christmas season and you're like, hey, all the songs say it this way and all the movies display it this way that it's the most wonderful time of year. And you're like, not me. This ain't wonderful, it's a nightmare. Maybe for you, you thought your marriage would be a dream and, and you went into it. Talk about scripted, you know, weddings nowadays will, will cost you an arm and a leg, you know, like everything. Like it's crazy and got these expectations and, and guys, you're like, man, 
man, sh- she's always going to be doing this, and it's going to be perfect. And when I come home, it's going to be like the king returning to his castle, you know. And she's always going to be excited for me. And, and ladies, you're like, he's always going to remember to put down the toilet seat lid, you know. It's going to be amazing. And, and guys, you're like, I'm going to be able to play video games at night. And even though she's cleaning the house, she's not going to care. It's going to be awesome all the time. And uh, you got these expectations and this dream. And, 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 and ladies, you're like, you know, he's not going to mind if I go do a girl's trip every once in a while, right? It's going to be cool. And, and you got this dream right now it don't look like a dream it's it's like a nightmare and you're fighting about everything you'd even be honest and say you know what pastor we're fighting about stupid stuff that i don't even care about but i get so mad at him or i get so mad at her it's not a dream it's it's a nightmare maybe and this one hit me hard this last week but maybe you had all these dreams for your kids And I don't know if they're adults now or teenagers, but you had these dreams and these aspirations. Maybe you even did the right thing and you raised them in God's house and and you tried, you weren't perfect, but you tried to model what it looks like to follow Jesus way past a Sunday morning. And you had these dreams and these prayers, but you look at the decisions that they are making and those decisions are leading them not to that dream scenario, but their life is now a nightmare and it's no one else's fault but theirs. So as a parent, you're like, what do I do? This is not what I prayed for. This is not what I dreamed it would look like. They are so far from God. Culture is killing them. And they're more scared of what culture says than than honoring God's word. And it's it's difficult. Some of you are in that place. Here's another one. This has been on my heart for a couple of months now. But maybe you're here today and, and you're having to figure out what do you do with your aging parents? A lot of people in our church that are figuring that out. And it's not easy. Roles have been reversed. It feels so unnatural. And so you're having to get the power of attorney and all these different things and paying their bills for them. And you see what's in their bank account and you thought there'd be more there. And all that kind of care is so expensive. And and you're trying to crunch numbers. Well, are we gonna have to do something? And what do we do with the government? How does that all work? And maybe your parents aren't even here. So that makes it even harder. They're in another city. Like, how do we care for them? Do we bring them into our house? Like, like it's not the dream. Like, oh, grandma, grandpa, it's, it's a nightmare. What do I do to honor them but still make sure that, that I'm not neglecting my family? It's not an easy thing. So, again, the question that I think many of you are asking is, why does it look like this? Why does it look more like a nightmare than like a dream? And, and that should lead to another question, not only why, but what do you do next? What do you do next? And here today, I came not with three points, not even two points. I've realized this, that, that oftentimes I forget my own points since so I can only imagine how you feel. And so I'm trying to get it down to two or sometimes even like today, one. Today I don't have points, so I just got a big idea, big thoughts. And really, I think it's what God shows us in this story and what God wants you to see for your story. But whenever your life is a nightmare, when you're in a nightmare season, it's not just why God is doing this but it's trying to understand what do you do next as well. And so here's my encouraging thought for you, and I hope you'll receive this. So straight from the first Christmas all the way to this Christmas, write it down if you're taking notes. You need to know the truth that God's biggest miracles usually come wrapped in big problems. And I need you to process that for a moment because it's not an easy thought, but it's a big one that you need. That God's biggest miracles usually come wrapped in big problems. Now, here's what I know about you, because I know this about me too. You want the big miracle. 
right? I, I, I never met one person that's like, no, pass, hard pass, don't want a miracle. Even non-believers are like, yeah, it'll take me a miracle. That'd be awesome. So here's what I know. You and I, we want a miracle. Here's what I also know. You and I, we don't want the problem. <laughs> but I want to just throw this out there because it's true in scripture. It's true in your life and my life. You can't receive the miracle without first having a problem. You can't. You can't have the gift of a miracle without it first being wrapped up in paper. And the problem with all of that is some of you are getting so stuck on the wrapping paper that you're missing the gift that God has for you on the inside. And I'll preach a little bit right there. You're so stuck on the paper. I don't want this gift. And God's saying, hey, I'm not doing anything to hurt you. I'm not doing anything to harm you. I've actually got something really beautiful and epic and amazing, life-changing for you, but you've got to get past the wrapping paper. You gotta get past the problem. You can never have a miracle without first having a problem. So if you have a problem, perfect. You're in the exact situation that you need to be because God does his best work in the middle of a mess. And that's why, that's why it went this way for Mary and Joseph. That's why it's going that way for you. Not because God made it happen or God wants to hurt you, anything like that. But God specializes in using the mess and breathing a miracle in the middle of it. And I've read it too much in scripture and Isabel and I, we've experienced it too much in our lives to believe otherwise. And God does his biggest miracles, biggest miracles, but oftentimes they come wrapped in big problems. You know, this past week, I came across this old news story um, in the early 2000s. I think it fit perfectly here, and I think it's going to speak to you as well. Um, and it's just weird to me, just a little side note, that, that the early 2000s were like 20 years ago. Is that weird to anybody else? It just feels weird. But anyways, uh, but I came across this true news story. You can, you can Google it later if you'd like. Some of you will maybe even remember this. But it, it's, it's a true story about how somebody got a gift that disappointed them. Like you've been there before, right? The fruitcake or the thing that you re-gifted the next year. And if you actually investigated, that person re-gifted it as well the following year. It's the gift that, gift that keeps on giving, you know, just goes down the line. That's actually a big fear of mine to get somebody a gift and that they, they're nice. Oh, love it. But they actually hate it and they're going to return it the next day. Uh, my wife and I, we don't do other presents at Christmas for each other. We do stockings. And so we got a real tight budget on it. So you got to get real creative. And I'm always nervous. Like, is she going to like it? And she's always sweet, but still part of me is like, you know, is she going to return this, you know, later on? But, but sometimes we've gotten gifts that disappointed us. And I found a story about this. Um, in this news article, there was this waitress. And she was a part of a contest at the restaurant that she worked for. It's actually a national chain. But she was a waitress at this restaurant. And the manager uh, came up with this idea, this contest, that whoever could sell the most beer that month would get a prize. I'm not promoting that, I'm just telling you the news, okay? And so, so you gotta sell the most alcohol. And so she is pushing it like all the other waitresses and waiters, and not because she wants to necessarily, but because she has to. So that was the first incentive, don't lose your job. But the second incentive, that whoever sold the most alcohol sales, the beer sales that month, uh, they would win a free Toyota, which is awesome. It's a great gift. Like, yes, please, Lord, you know? And so she's, she's doing this and she's pushing the sales and she wants that free Toyota, of course. And 
And so this woman in the article I read, she, she won. She won the contest. And so the next day or the next month when it rolled over, uh, she is super excited. It's a big gift. Y'all remember me even making that joke last Sunday, who gives somebody a free car, apparently, you know? That's what happened here. And like, so she's excited for it. They blindfold her. They bring her after hours to the restaurant. They bring her out to the parking lot for this big reveal. There's a whole bunch of people there. They're not blindfolded, but they're cheering and they're celebrating like she is so excited. And here's when they take the blindfold off, here's what they gave her. Check this out. That is a toy Yoda. A toy. Her manager thought it was hilarious. Obviously she didn't. Isn't that terrible? That is terrible. That ain't funny, you know? Now, now here, here, here's the deal. True story. Um, don't feel too bad for her because uh, she quit that day, which she should have quit that day. Not only that, but she sued this company. She won her lawsuits. Want to know what she won? That manager and that company had to take her down to the local Toyota car dealership and she could pick out anyone that she wanted. There is some justice in the world, right? Talk about a gift that disappoints you. A gift that disappoints you. And here's what I want you to see from this amazing, amazing first Christmas story is that even though Jesus' birth, even though it wasn't the dream scenario for Mary and Joseph, even though it was messy, even though it wasn't picture perfect, hear me loud and clear, it does not disappoint, does not disappoint. The truth is, hear me, that we couldn't get to God. All of your working, all of your striving, even if you were Mother Teresa, it is not enough. That's the bad news, here's the good news. Because we couldn't get to God, God came to us. That's what Emmanuel means. It's more than a Christmas carol. It's more than a song. It's more than a card that you give to a friend. In the flesh, God came to be with us, born to die and raised from the dead so you and I could be forgiven of our sin. That's great news. It's a gift that does not disappoint. I love how Galatians puts it. Galatians chapter four, verses four through five. I'm gonna read out the NLT, New Living Translation. It says this, but when the right time came somebody shout right time when the right time came god sent his son jesus born of a woman subject to the law verse 5 this is such great news god sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that he could adopt us as his very own children you need to know today there are no no orphans in the kingdom of god no matter what you've done, where you've been, what your family history is, no matter how many skeletons you have in your closet, what you're ashamed of, here's the truth. God's grace is greater than even your worst sin. It is a gift that he has given you and I. The Bible says in another place that the wages of sin or death, the penalty of sin, your sin, my sin, it's death. So God bought, purchased freedom for us. And not just so, oh, I'm gonna free these people He's freeing us and we're going from slaves to sons and daughters of God. That's a beautiful thing. That's a precious gift. But again, here's the problem. Some of you, you can't see the gift because you can't get past the wrapping paper. 
You're stuck on the problem. You're stuck on the, the issues, the finances, all the stuff, the turmoil. The Holy Spirit's convicting you right now. He's tugging at your heart. And again, he ain't mad at you, nothing like that. He doesn't want to harm you, doesn't want to hurt you. He loves you and he wants you to know the truth. That yeah, there's a problem there. And yeah, it's big. But God's biggest and best miracles are wrapped up in big problems. So you keep the faith and you keep trusting, you keep believing. Don't get stuck on the wrapping paper. You gotta get past it. Receive the gift that is Jesus. Remember, he didn't stay a baby forever. He grew up, lived a life without sin, but he also ministered here on this earth. And what's so cool about Jesus' story is that the story of his birth, it's really echoes throughout his ministry. And here's what I mean. Jesus is constantly stepping into the middle of mess and bringing a miracle. Does it time and time again. Like a chaotic situation, he brings peace. A couple of them that I thought of, and then I'll pray. Is in Mark chapter four. There's this story where Jesus is in a boat with his disciples. That's just his best friends, his boys. And he's there with them and they're kind of at the top working, making sure they get to the other side. And, and Jesus, the, and I've even preached on this a couple of times. Jesus is in the, like the bottom of the boat and he's got his tempur pillow. He's having a good nap, y'all, like a good nap. And he's sleeping. And the disciples, and this is such a picture of our lives. They're frantic on top because a storm comes. So they're working and they're striving and they're doing all this stuff and they start taking on water. And so what do they do? In their franticness, they're freaking out. They get mad at Jesus because he's sleeping. Let me right now, you're mad at God because you're like, well, he's sleeping on my situation. No, he's not. And so they go down there and they're like, do you not even care about us? We're going to die. Like do something, you know, like help us out. We sold out for you. Help us out. And Jesus is so awesome. If I remember correctly, he doesn't even address them, but he gets up to the top of the boat. And you know what? He does address the storm. And he speaks to the storm. Peace, be still. And all the wind and waves, all the chaos, it is calm. They're safe. And I preached this message before, and I'll preach again here real quick today, that it's not about are you going through a storm, it's who's in your boat in the middle of a storm. So if Jesus is in your life, in your boat, you're gonna be okay. If he's not freaking out, neither should you. You give God some praise. You're gonna give him praise, give him all the praise. The last one, now, I've not preached on this. I need to preach on this, it's a great story. But the end of Matthew 17, at the end of it, you've got, Jesus and the disciples, again, his boys. And specifically, there's this conversation that Jesus and Peter have, which is one of his inner circle, Peter, James, and John. So he had, he had the 12, he even had beyond that. He had the 12, and then he also had the three, which is a good model for our lives, by the way, when it comes to our friendships. So Jesus and Peter, they're having this conversation, and Peter brings to Jesus' attention, which he's not really doing because he knows everything, but still, Peter comes to Jesus, and he's like, hey, um, we need to pay our taxes, Jesus. And Peter is all stressed out. 
Because he's like, Jesus, we kind of quit our jobs to follow you. You know, like this don't pay real good, you know, like, like we're right or die, don't get me wrong, but, but the government's coming for us. I mean, y'all know the IRS was coming for you back then too, right? Like they don't forget. They don't forget. They'll come for you. They'll, 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 they'll take your money straight from your paycheck. They'll take your vehicles, your house. They'll put you in jail. They'll even go beyond that back then. They could kill you, all that kind of stuff. So Peter is stressed out financially. Some of you are there right now. How are we going to pay our taxes? And Jesus looks at Peter. This is so cool. And he's like, hey, Peter, remember before I called you into ministry? Uh, remember how you used to fish, not for men, but fish for fish? Remember, remember that? Peter's like, yeah, I remember, I remember that. So I got some skills. Jesus, what are you talking about? Jesus tells Peter to go to the nearest lake and to throw out a line and that the first fish that he'll catch, there will actually be a coin in its mouth that will pay not only Peter's taxes, but also Jesus's taxes. Some of you are like, I'm going fishing today, pastor. <laughs> let's go, let's go. So Peter, he throws out the line, he catches a fish and lo and behold, there's a coin in there that pays for both their taxes. Big problem. I'll pay my taxes. They coming for us. I don't care that we're in ministry. Big problem, financial issue, struggle. But it set Peter up for a big miracle. So I just want to encourage you. This is what Jesus does. From birth all the way through his time on planet Earth, he is constantly doing this. And so again, yeah, you got a big problem, but you also have a big God. And he is not worried. He is not scared. And I know it seems like a nightmare right now, but if Jesus is with you, you will come out the other side of this. He will never leave you, never forsake you. He is God. loves you here's for you why don't you bow your heads with me close your eyes Jesus thank you that you are still in the miracle working business thank you God that all the way from your birth that you gave us this great example of how you get in the middle of a mess and you breathe a miracle that even the big problems in our lives I'm not saying that you created them but what I am saying is that you can use them that you usually do your best work, your biggest miracles in the middle of those big problems. In fact, we cannot experience a miracle without first having a problem. So I pray for those. Again, this message is dedicated to those in the room, those online, maybe even those watching this later on. I feel like this is one of those messages, God, that you're gonna use greatly. And I just pray, God, for those that are in a nightmare season that you would bring them hope that they are actually set up for a miracle. They're set up for your provision. They just gotta keep trusting you, keep following you, keep believing you are who you say you are, that you haven't left them. Remind them even now that yes, they couldn't get to you with all their striving and all their work, but you have come to them. And that's what Christmas is all about. That you came and into this broken world, our world, you came on mission, a rescue mission to save us, restore us. So again, God, we know what your word says. The Bible is very clear. We are not saved by our works. We're not saved by our efforts. We're not saved by what we can do. We are only saved because of what you've already done, Jesus. 
The work has been finished once and for all. Once and for all. So I pray for anybody here today that's never received that gift, the gift of salvation. Nothing they earn, nothing they deserve. It's a free gift, but they still have to receive it. I pray for anyone who's never received the gift of salvation, or maybe for them, for somebody, it's, it's been a long time and, and kind of like the commercialization of Christmas and all the different stuff, it's kind of sidetracked them. And yeah, they know the story, but they've been glossing over it. I pray God just in a fresh way that there'd be some that would do a recommitment to you. So for those that have never given their life, for those maybe that wanna do a recommitment, this is your moment. Here's how, just eyes closed, head bowed. The way that you're saved, again, not by your effort, not by your works, it's receiving the gift. And the way you receive it is to put your faith and trust in Jesus and what he did on the cross and how he rose from the dead. That's it. It. So right now you can do that. You can whisper to the Lord, Jesus, I believe that you are God. You can tell him, you just whisper it to him. He hears you. Jesus, I believe that you are God. I believe, Jesus, that you rose or that you died on the cross and that you also rose from the dead. And I believe, Jesus, that you have the power to save me from my sin. You've got to tell him that. I believe that, Lord. I confess that. And so right now you've got to ask him this. Right now, I ask you, Jesus, to forgive me of all my sin. It's my sin that has separated me from you. It's hurt the relationship. So I ask that you'd forgive me. Clean me up from the inside out. I know I don't have the power to save myself, but you can save me. So would you save me, Lord? Would you rescue me? I feel like I've been drowning in this nightmare. Would you, would you pick me up and set my feet upon a rock, a firm place? Help me to stand for you. I receive the gift of salvation. I receive it, Lord. Thank you, God, for those that are saying that prayer. You hear them, you know them, you love them. And their life is now forever changed, not because of them, not because of me or this church, but because of you, Jesus. Jesus is the reason for the season. It is all about you. I thank you, God, for what you've done today. I thank you, God, for this Christmas miracle. We give you glory and we give you honor. In Jesus' mighty name we pray, amen. Thank you so much for listening today. If you made a decision for Jesus Christ or if your life has been impacted in any way, please send us an email at info at We would love to hear your story. And for those that committed your life to Christ, we wanna help you on your new journey by sending our free Start Bible Kit in the mail. If you'd like to partner with us financially, simply click on the Give tab at ChristCove.net. There it will take you to a safe and secure page where you can set up a one-time or recurring gift to help us accomplish our vision, heaven full and hell empty. And as always, you can find out more about Christ Covenant on our website or on Facebook or Instagram at ChristCoveHouston. 